Welcome to the MFR Coaches Podcast, where we talk about how you can create a six-figure MFR practice. I'm your host, Heather Hommel. Not only have I been practicing MFR for 11 years, I'm also a life and business coach, especially for MFR therapists. My goal is for you to understand how to get fully booked, how to talk to your clients, and how to make sure they understand what's possible for them with MFR treatment. I'm here to help you stop under earning, overworking, and burning out. I'll lend support so you can create the MFR practice you've always wanted. Learn how you can do it too, even if you live in a tiny town, and even if you're just starting out, and even if you've ran your practice for years. Let's go. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the MFR Coaches Podcast. I am here joined by one of my clients, Mandy Ogard, who is an occupational therapist and owner of Integrated Therapy, Myofascial Release, and Pelvic Health Clinic in Williamsburg, Virginia. Mandy, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I am doing so well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Awesome. I'm excited to catch up with you too. So for those of you listening, Mandy coached with me for a little over six months, starting in the fall of 2021, and she did my first two group programs. So this is the longest I've gone, I feel, in my entire lifetime or since 2021 without talking to Mandy because she graduated and has just been off out in the wild doing her thing, being a myofascial release practitioner. Absolutely. Had a little Heather withdrawal. I know, right? We're having some withdrawal. We're going to be okay. Just to catch everybody up, when we first met, I remember you wanted specifically help with putting yourself out there and marketing trusting that what you had to offer was worth the price and figuring out what to do about insurance billing. Mm -hmm. You were a contracted OT with a company and you were doing in-home visits. And so you were kind of recreating that in-home visit model on your way to starting a brick and mortar practice. Yes. (laughs) Tell me about how you were then, like what was going on and what you thought the biggest problems were, and then we'll go on from there. So, you know, at that point in time, really transitioning from a 20-year career within a health system atmosphere into your own private practice, there were so many unknowns. There were so many areas of fear and anxiety moving towards that. And I I remember interviewing you and just having like this instant connection during our call. But even knowing that if I hired you as my coach, that meant that I was committed to really doing it. And I really think that at that point in time, you know, I was just really scared to take that leap. And I had so many questions and you were so patient with me. It was amazing. And then when I finally, you know, signed up for the coaching and I started this journey, I look back and I'm like, why did I wait so long? Yeah. But what was going on? Like, why did you wait so long? Was the fear, right? Yeah, absolutely. The fear. And, you know, life got in the way. I don't want to say got in the way, but circumstances in our life. You know, I wanted to open a clinic many years ago when I first started MFR and was actually all ready to open the clinic and found out I was pregnant at the time. And three kids later, and, <laughs> and I know, right? Many years spent doing MFR in a home health practice and an outpatient practice. And I really just wanted to be able to do something for myself and be able to build something that allowed me the schedule to be more present for my family. Awesome. Okay. So (laughs) we had the talk, you decided to sign up for one-on-one coaching back in the dinosaur ages when I did one-on-one coaching (laughs) and then you stayed around for group. Mm -hmm. 
When you were within the coaching container, you mentioned that I ask hard questions. Mm-hmm. What was the hardest question do you think I asked you? What was hard about it? One of the questions you asked me really was about my identity as an occupational therapist versus an MFR therapist and opening my practice. And because I I am an occupational therapist and that's what I do by trade, it was really, really hard when you asked me that question to think about being something else or being something else in addition to an occupational therapist. That was really one of the hardest questions. And when you brought that to the table, I realized that it's okay to be both. It really is. I, I don't have to adhere to one identity that I can open myself to being more in order to build the practice that I want and give the clients what they need. Yeah. I think that's really important too. And this whole process is about allowing yourself Mm -hmm. to be bigger, be more seen, help more people, like just being so much more expansive than what you're likely used to. I think that's kind of the journey for everyone. I know it was for me when I first hired my first coach, like I did not even realize what was possible for myself. Mm-hmm. until I allowed myself to dream bigger and just kind of expand into what was possible. I don't know if the same was for you. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And you also really helped me to reconnect to my intuition. And I think, you know, you and I had talked about, I made a very last minute decision to go to the MFR rebounding course in the beginning of January. I mean, I'm talking two weeks before the course, I was like, I'm going to go. My intuition is telling me to go. And I think that in working with you, it helped me to really reconnect with my intuition, to listen to what it was telling me versus always trying to have control of everything. Oh, yeah. And plan. And plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was huge. And so when I ended up going to that rebounding course, I mean, literally and figuratively felt like it just shook everything off. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, right? Rebounding such an amazing course. And I just felt like I walked out of that course a brand new person and really just accepting who I am, accepting a lot of your feedback as well, because you're stepping into the unknown. And I didn't always like the idea of being out of control or not having everything within my control. Yeah. And like people love having the illusion of control, but the facts of the matter are like we <laughs> only can control what we can control. And there's a lot that we can't. And if we focus on all the things we can't control, it does feel like unsettling to our systems. Yes. I think. It sends me into overwhelm. Mm -hmm. That's a big thing. So I really felt like the more I tried to control things, the more things became overwhelming. And you know, I also believe that if you continually push the universe, at some point in time, the universe is going to push back. And instead of just relinquishing that control and allowing yourself to listen to your intuition and follow your intuition to really be who you're meant to be. Yeah. So your intuition was telling you last year, like it's time to really put on this identity of becoming a myofascial release therapist, who's also an occupational therapist. Mm-hmm. And that looked like you kind of dialing back some of your contracted work and starting your own mobile practice while you were leaning into the idea of renting space. What did yes. that look like? Yeah. So initially, you know, being in home care for a very long time, 
a mobile practice felt very comfortable to me. That felt like a really good place to start. And I also felt like, again, holding on to that identity as an occupational therapist, I still use a lot of OT in what I do. Being in someone's natural environment allowed me to see how they do their everyday activities. How did those habits and routines contribute to whatever they're coming to see me for, whether it was pelvic pain or hip pain or low back pain or whatever, I was able to see that environment. But really, when I decided to have an actual clinic space to myself, I feel like I really needed that transition because I felt like I needed a space that was my own. Mm -hmm. I felt like I needed kind of a home space where I could center myself and ground myself before every client coming into me. So that's kind of how that transition happened. And I still see a couple of clients within their home, but I just opened my clinic space on April 1st. And so now I'm getting a lot of the clients coming in to see me and it feels amazing. Yeah. So give me like the update on that. I have not talked to you. I know nothing about what it's been like to transition into your open doors practice. Like what's the scoop? Yeah. Well, I opened on April 1st and we went out of town briefly, but that Friday, April 1st, I think I had three clients in my clinic that very first day and it just felt so right. It just felt so amazing. And so Like I said, I still have a couple of clients that I go to see for mobile home visits for various reasons, but majority of the people come to me and it's just nice to be able to have this space without, you know, (laughs) without animals in the background, without phone calls, without spouses. And I think that they feel like it's a safe space to let go as well. And I think that's important to the healing process. Yeah. I agree. I agree. So what has it been like to tell your patients like, look, I'm not doing mobile anymore. I'm moving to an office space. How has that transition been? I know you still see a few people Mm -hmm. in their homes. It's so funny because I was really nervous about telling my clients at first. I was really like, oh my gosh, they're not going to come see me. So I had to do a lot of thought work around it. And when I ended up telling them in the way I just said, I have this clinic space, I'm transitioning my clients to the clinic space and you coming to see me, overwhelmingly positive. Everyone's like, oh, thank goodness. You don't have to be lugging your table or you don't have to hear my dog in the background. Or it was just an overwhelmingly positive response. That's so fun. And were you expecting that or were you kind of like thinking it was going to be the opposite? Initially, I was thinking it was going to be the opposite, but I had planted the seed as well, Mm -hmm. you know, knowing that I had found this space a couple of weeks earlier. So I had kind of planted the seeds with most of my clients saying, look, I'm about to sign this lease, about to have clinic visits. So they kind of already knew it was coming. And so again, it was an overwhelmingly positive response. That's so fun. Okay. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Some Thank other you. changes you made were, you know, setting your rates and then going from taking insurance to not taking insurance. How mm-hmm. is that going? It's actually, it's going really well. I have, I think, one client that I still take her insurance, but the majority of them I've transitioned into cash-based practice and actually started offering packages. So sold my first package and more of a wellness package. I don't like to call it a maintenance package because it really is keeping that wellness so that they can do what they want to do. So again, it's been really positive. It's been great. Yeah, it's all working out, which is 
opposite of what your brain told you would happen, right? right? Like people are seeing (laughs) this nice, neatly packaged podcast, but behind the scenes, they didn't see like all of the tears, all of the drama, all of the self-talk that was like, basically my result is I'm lighting myself on fire and everything is ruined. Yeah. I am never going to be successful if I'm not just an OT. I'm not going to be successful if I don't see people in their homes. And yeah, I don't take insurance. I'm screwed. I can't charge what I want to charge for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And again, you bring hard questions and those hard questions in the moment, you know, like you said, lots of drama, lots of tears, but I am where I am today because of it. And I'm very grateful to have been your client and to have been part of that first coaching group and just lots of drama and the thought work, the thought work, the thought downloads, the models, they work, do them. They work. Yeah, they do. And you can always go back to it. Like now that you know this tool, even if you get away from it or whatever, out of practice, it's still always available for you. Oh, I still do my thought downloads. It may not be every day, but usually every two to three days, I'm doing a thought download. And now it's almost second nature. If I start to feel that thought, I don't want to say negative, but the thought that I don't want that shows up on my shoulder... I am so much better able to recognize it. Mm. And I'm like, nope, thanks for stopping by, but no, thank you. And (laughs) yeah, this is the thought. This is what I actually want to be. And here are all the reasons why I can think this. So if I have fear about people coming to my clinic, well, I look at my schedule and I'm like, look at all the people who are coming. I didn't have to be a mobile therapist. I now have a clinic space and people are still coming. Yeah. And you had to decide that, that you didn't have to be a mobile practitioner before you ever had the evidence that people would come to your office space. And I think that is worth noting because most of the decisions people are making in their businesses when they come to work with me, they're making it based on what they want the result to be, not what they have the evidence of how it will be. So they have to create the result on purpose, which is what you have already done. Mm -hmm. And all the other people I've had on my podcast are proof that you can do this. You can put anything in that R line, any result you want, and build your model backwards and figure out exactly what you need to be thinking and feeling and doing in order to have the practice that you want. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's clean and easy. No. It's, it's a mess, right? <laughs> yeah. But the absolutely. way we're operating in our regular lives unintentionally and just at the whim of whatever circumstance is going on is also kind of a messy show too that is completely optional. Absolutely. You had asked me a little earlier, you know, what was the hardest question you brought to the table? And I had a story that I continually told myself. And probably for the first two months, you graciously listened to that story. And your hardest question to me was, how many more times are you going to tell me that story? How many more times are you going to tell yourself that story? So the story is ingrained in us. The story is practiced. It is practiced in our brain. And I really had to stop and I had to think really hard. Was that story serving me? Absolutely not. (laughs) Tell us what the story was, if you don't mind. No, not at all. So it kind of goes back to when I was going to open my MFR practice. And so I had taken several MFR courses between 2006 and 2008 to the level of advanced practitioner. And I was all ready to open up my practice, as I said, and I ended up getting pregnant. And it's my oldest son. He's 13 now. And there are some complications with you know, his 
development growing up and things like that. And things that made me question myself, question myself as a mother, question myself as, oh my gosh, did I do enough for him? Did I do the right thing? And that story that I continually practiced was, I'm not good enough. I didn't do the right thing. I should question myself. I should second guess because maybe there was something else I could have done better. So that was my constant story. And when I told you I was going to open my practice, but I took my courses so long ago that I don't know if I'm good enough. And I don't know if I can bring the clients what they need. You stopped me and you're like, how many times, you know, I was like, I should have opened my practice 13 years ago. I should have done it. I should have done it. You're like, how many more times are you going to tell me that? Because here you are, you're ready to do it now. And let's focus on now and what you can build at this point in time versus continually focusing on what you should have, could have, would have, you know, done 13 years ago. And that really was a huge shift for me. And that really, like I said, led me back to listening to my intuition that I had really truly shut down for many, many years, questioning myself about all these other decisions. And the minute I was able to sit down, listen to my intuition, lay my hands on someone to do myofascial release, I just became so much more open to this is my story now. And I don't have to listen to the story that was, I should have done this 13 years ago. And I should have listened to my intuition and I'm not good enough. And that was just a huge shift for me. Yeah. I think too, one of the other things in along that line, this underlying story of I can't trust myself, right? To make good decisions, Yep, which was, you had so much evidence against that. I think we spent an entire (laughs) coaching session on like, well, where's all the evidence where you've made great decisions, right? Like... You're a high functioning adult. You're, a, you know, you have all these degrees, right? And then we like started to see a pattern where you were using education as kind of a way to soothe that low level repeat story mm-hmm. of not being good enough or not knowing enough or not trusting yourself. So I'm going to take another class, get more information so that I will finally feel comfortable to do the thing that I actually want to do, which really just kept you further from getting where you wanted to go. Absolutely. And it's so funny that you bring that up because I don't know when you're going to post this, but it's tax season. You know, we had Mm -hmm. to turn in our taxes and my husband and I were going through the taxes and he was like, okay, how much did you spend on educational courses? Yeah. (laughs) And I went through and I listed every single one. And I just remember him turning around and he was like, oh my gosh, how much education did you take? And yeah, it really became a cycle. And even, of course, I I gained some knowledge from those educational courses, but looking back, I didn't need them Mm -hmm. in order to open my practice. I didn't need them to provide the best care and practice at the top of my skills. You know, I look back and I certainly see rebounding as kind of a fundamental course for me because it helped solidify listening to my intuition and kind of brushing off those stories. And now my education is moving forward to taking, you know, just repeating MFR courses, honing my skills. Yeah. There's a big difference though, between taking those because you want to and taking them with the thought, I need to do this in order to do X, Y, Z, right? Absolutely. And I think you were operating from, I need to do this. Oh yeah. 
or like, I can't do anything else until I have all my ducks in a row. And you're starting to change that story. Now that story is very, very practiced. So it will likely circle around and try to sneak in through the back door, try to haunt you and taunt you into doing something else that will seem really urgent and really important at the time. But if you're really good at catching yourself and your thoughts and your patterns, you're going to be able to make a decision from want and practicality and, you know, like run it through some filters versus I'm locked onto that and now I have to do it or I'm screwed. I can't do the next thing unless I do that. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, branching into a myofascial release clinic and adding the pelvic health component. I really have to check myself there too, because pelvic health, there are so many courses out there and it's very much a specialty area. But I really know that a lot of the techniques I learned in a women's health MFR just really kind of laid that foundation. I don't have to know like every single course that's out there. And I I really do. I have to check myself often. It's a well-practiced story. Yeah. And there's not the next best thing isn't always out there right? Like you have the best thing in your education and you're now in your MFR skill set. Like we believe that as MFR therapists, if Mm -hmm. other people are listening to this that aren't MFR therapists, they're going to be like, who are these cocky biatches? But (laughs) listen in everybody, like MFR is the best or we would not be so dedicated to this, right? I would not be an MFR coach for MFR therapists (laughs) if I did not believe that it was the varsity of modalities of what you can offer to your patients. So with that said, <laughs> right? right. So this is very exciting news. Like you've uncovered some really heavy stories you've carried about yourself, which I think for anyone listening, we all can relate to mm-hmm. some sort of story that we've drug with us that has gotten us to exactly where we are now. But then maybe you're starting to feel uncomfortable with where you're at and you're wanting something new. And so you have to come to this decision that like everything I know I've gotten to myself this far, but now it's time to start unlearning all of that to get to where I want to go. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And I really have to say that we are often initially unaware of all those practice stories. And that's where I think that coaching and coming into the coaching platform is huge because someone else points out where you didn't recognize those practice stories. I remember, you know, the first round of coaching, I really just gained a whole lot by listening. But when I had that huge shift at the end of coaching and I was like, no, I now know who I am. I now know what I want to do. And my goal for the second round of coaching is to be seen, to practice being seen in coaching And I think that would be huge for anyone coming into your coaching platform because they're able to unpractice or unlearn some of those stories that they're bringing in because I didn't want to be seen. I didn't know who I was. But when I came to that coaching platform and I presented my problems and I would practice being seen or I would practice, you know, here's what I want to say to unlearn those stories, it was so immensely helpful. And I just have some amazing colleagues that I still go to. We still text, we still message. And and I'm like, oh my gosh, here's the story. I'm practicing again. Help me out with this. I think it's just amazing, the connections and the benefit of the coaching. Yeah. I love that. And I think each (laughs) cohort of this group kind of develops their own relationships with each other. And it's like going through this, you know, like an intense experience together you're supporting each other, Mm -hmm. you're bearing witness for everyone as they go through a transformation. Oh my gosh, absolutely. 
And not only like this transformation personally, but like as a business owner too, and owning the results that you're creating, learning how to celebrate yourself and not only allow yourself to be celebrated if you're at like the five-year goal, right? Like if you're a month in, you're not at your five-year goal or your five-year goal wasn't big enough, right? Right. Who are you becoming along the way and how can we learn to celebrate that and live in the moment of how fantastic it is. Cause you're never going to have that first experience of that first major rate increase. The first clients that find you in your new practice, the first time you get someone to rebook, the first time you sell a package, the first month you hit 10 K, like all of those huge milestones. Yeah. Whereas like you can't even imagine it happening until it happens. <laughs> right, exactly. And they only happen once, right? Yeah. You know, when you reach that milestone for the first time. For the first time, right? Yeah. Your first time only happens once. And so mm-hmm. yeah, being able to celebrate all of that within the group atmosphere and still celebrating those wins, you know, recognizing that if I have a client that cancels this week, well, hey, let's celebrate the new evaluation that called me last night and said, Hey, do you have any time on Friday, you know, for a new evaluation appointment? And again, just recognizing when to celebrate those little wins. And I love when you talked about transformation because in the group, really looking at how that personal transformation presented itself in their professional transformation. And that was just so awesome. Yeah. It was so awesome to watch others. And it was so awesome to have other people really support you and support your wins along the way. Yeah. Because everybody is cheering for everyone else. Like there's no competition. <laughs> like your winning does not negate someone else's chance of being able to get what they want. Right. It's like, it's available for everyone and we all go together. Everybody is kind of getting to the same destination. Exactly. <laughs> We're all getting there. We all have the directions. We're all getting there. We all have Google. Maps. Exactly. <laughs> Thank <I know>. God. <laughs> and like you said, Google Maps, you always say, you know, if we feel like, oh, I didn't have any wins this week, you're like, what are the facts? Check your facts. Come mm-hmm. on, bring your facts to the table. So it's like bring those Google directions, you know? Yeah. And sure enough, I mean, no sooner would we put down the facts, we're like, oh yeah, that person canceled. But I actually did have two new evals this week. And you're like, Let's celebrate your wins, right? Let's celebrate. So absolutely. And also figuring out like, well, what do I want this month to turn out like? And then what are all the things I can control to get that outcome versus just sitting here feeling sorry for myself? Oh, yeah. Because there's so much you can do when you are thinking factually and not just stuck in your emotions of how hard everything is. Because business is always going to be hard. People are always going to cancel or no show or whatever, the things that we don't have control over, but we can set policies for. Mm -hmm. But what is the bigger picture and what are my goals and how am I contributing to getting to my goals and not making it my client's responsibility for me to get there? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, one of the other lessons learned too that you helped me learn was not to use my client's success as my only success. So I really had to learn and listening to my intuition to let go of the outcome. And I think that was also huge because I, you know, initially starting a business, you want every client to be happy. You want every client to have that perfect outcome. And so my happiness, what I perceived as my success was that client's all better. Okay, I did a good job. Mm -hmm. But you really helped me unlearn that story as well, that I'm not going to rely on my client's outcome as 
knowing that I provided what was necessary and I was present and I was centered and I provided. And that's still a win. Yeah. And it might take that client 27 visits in a row before they really get what they came for or more, right? It's separating the time continuum, which means nothing. The result is the same, whether it's for some people, it takes five and for some people it takes 500 visits, right? But if you get to that result, I think in the long run, most people will say, yes, it was worth it to get to that result. Mm -hmm. Same for us as practitioners, like the stress and the worry and the all of the going outside of our comfort zone to create the business that we want. But the outcome of helping hundreds and hundreds of people to feel better and get out of pain is completely worth it to us, as well mm-hmm. as the income we're able to provide for our families. It's worth all of that struggle to create that outcome. Yeah, absolutely. And I I feel like what we're able to bring our value in providing MFR to our clients Linking it to, you know, as an occupational therapist, I always go back to what are your most meaningful occupations? And I ask them, well, what if you could cook with your husband? What if you could actually sit in a car for two and a half hours to go visit your kids and your grandkids? What if that was possible? And really placing a, not a monetary value, but a life value. Yeah, quality of life. Quality of life. Absolutely. And MFR treatments. Yeah. So we were just joking before this that our colleague, Sarah Martin, posted on Facebook about how she like bent over to pick up a piece of paper and threw her back out (laughs) and was so thankful that she has a regular MFR therapist and was like able to get back to work in two days or whatever. And Mandy messaged me earlier and she's like, I don't know what I did, but I I hurt my back. (laughs) And I hurt my back yesterday doing some 40-year-old thing where I just bent over, right? And I said to the group today in coaching, I was like, somewhere across America, there's a 40-year-old woman waking up right now in gut-wrenching back pain because she bent over to pick up a pile of laundry, you know? That's right. And these are the people that we need to be talking to and let them know, like, as we experience these experiences and you can talk to your clients and let them know what is possible for them. Now with a non-MFR brain, I would probably be at the hospital right now, not giving a podcast because I'd be so freaked out about the pain I have in my body. Mm -hmm. But because I'm an experienced therapist who doesn't have access to another therapist, unfortunately, right here, I have all of my self-treatment tools and can do those and not spin out freaking out, right? Mm -hmm. But like every moment that I go through and I think about the value of being able to bend over, the value of being able to carry something mildly heavy, right? Like a laundry basket or bend over and unload the dishwasher, just like the everyday activities that we take for granted. Yep. There are people out there that can't do any of those things because of the same sort of like non-injury stuff like this just happens, right? I'm not actually physically injured. Right. My body is just inflamed and needs some extra love and support. Most people just go into a tailspin of like, oh, this shouldn't be happening to me. And why me? And I have to go and get an injection, you know, or like all of the things that they could choose to do if they don't know that MFR is available to them. That's right. Come get MFR. And, you know, I was telling you about injuring my back and I ended up doing a ton of self-releases through the weekend It was 
dramatically better yesterday. And then I was eagerly anticipating my own MFR session today, which, yeah. which I just got done. Yeah. And that speaks too, to like having that regular treatment, like on the books for you, like so brilliant. Yeah. And that's another thing I love that comes out of this group coaching program is people are so much more aware of the lack of treatment that they're receiving for themselves mm-hmm. and getting that regular treatment scheduled. It's so amazing. Like you just already had it on the books. Well, actually I didn't. I did have him last week though. So I had him right before I injured my bags. But he was my first call. He was my first call on that Friday afternoon. And I was like, I did something to my back and I I need you. When is your next available appointment? And he ended up calling back. His next available was today. But I get regular treatment and I absolutely see the value in that. And then he was my first call. It wasn't the emergency room. It wasn't the hospital. It wasn't even Mm -hmm. my primary care physician. It was my MFR therapist in doing all of my own self-treatment as well. And I, I love how you talk about our thoughts going into a tailspin as well, because when I injured my back that morning, I actually had four clients scheduled that day. I ended up having to cancel two of them because of my injury. And my thoughts could have absolutely gone to... I'm in so much pain. I'm going to fail at my business. I'm not a good therapist. I didn't take care of myself, which... Isn't true. Isn't even true. Oh my gosh. Isn't even true, right? (laughs) Yeah. I could have gone into a tailspin, but because of the thought work that you taught us, because of the models that you taught us, I really looked at it as an opportunity to say, okay, what is going on in my life that may have contributed to the back pain? What are my thoughts about it right now? I was able to do a ton of thought downloads and really came to the conclusion that there are certain areas in my life, especially in starting a business, that I really need to have some clear boundaries. Mm. You know, especially transitioning to a clinic, those boundaries got a little gray. Yeah. And I really looked at this, although trust me, I'm in a lot of pain or was in a lot of pain. I am just so much better now. I really looked at it as checking my thoughts and doing a thought download as an opportunity to say, what can I do differently to take better care of myself? Because I'm the tool, right? Yeah. We are the tool. Yep. So got to fix the yeah. tool. <laughs> and it is like scary when you can't show up or when you think something has really gone wrong. I like to think about it today as, you know, like I kind of had a sleepless night last night. I was in a lot of pain and I just kept telling myself like, nothing's gone wrong. Mm -hmm. Sometimes bodies do this. There's a lot of moving parts. You know, you haven't actually been physically injured, right? Like I know I didn't get hit by a car. I know I didn't fall down, like all these things. And then I started thinking about all of the signs and symptoms my body gave me ahead of time that I chose to ignore. Yep. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to treating all those areas that I've been ignoring. And somewhere along the way, I'm going to get relief in this. And I have, I've gotten a lot of relief just in the time component and all of the self-care and self-treatment I've been doing. But it's like allowing to stay in the calm more so in just getting swept up in the fear of this is forever. I'm never going to be able to show up Mm -hmm. to coach. I'm never going to show up for my patients, you know, like all the things that the spiral and the cascade that happens because our brains are so cute and adorable. I was going to say when they started coming up, I was like, you're so cute. You're so adorable. So cute. And I don't believe you (laughs) that I will get better. I am not going to be in pain forever. My business will not fail because I had to cancel two clients and I need to take care of myself in order to show up for others. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So the thought work, I think I would have been in a very different place in my recovery had I not had that thought work to fall back on and and creating those models. Yeah. And you might've worked and hurt yourself even more because you would have thought, I have to do this, right? (laughs) Like for anyone listening, whenever you have that thought, (laughs) I have to do X, Y, Z, like we are all adults and it turns out we don't have to do anything. Yep. We certainly do not. Laundry, don't have to do it. <laughs> it's so much more fun when you decide you want to do it, right? Because you like clean underwear or whatever. I know. I was like, well, probably should if we want clean underwear, but that being said. Right. right? But you don't have to do it. It's a yes. choice. <laughs> Too funny. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, anything else you want to add before we wrap up today? I want to say thank you for showing up as my coach, for teaching me some incredible skills, not just to make myself personally better, but professionally better. And really just want to thank you for your presence and for putting yourself out there for others and to build the practice that they want. So thank you. Well, you are welcome. Thank you for being open to receiving all of my words and my thoughts. And I just want to give credit to the Life Coach School and Brooke Castillo, who is my mentor, the founder of the Life Coaching School and the creator of the model that she so graciously allows us to teach everyone after we graduate from her program. Mm -hmm. And if anybody wants more information on thought work and the model, I would highly recommend going to the Life Coach School podcast and starting like with the beginner episodes there and just listening through. She has a lot of great wisdom and ideas. And she talks about thought work all the time. So you can get even more help with learning that on your own if you're not currently in the coaching program. Awesome. And also consider joining my next group coaching program, which will be enrolling in late June. And I will be excited to welcome people in. So Thanks for being a part of the coaching community, Mandy. I wish you nothing but the best with your business. And again, Mandy can be found. She's located in Williamsburg, Virginia. Her clinic's name is Integrated Myofascial Release and Pelvic Health Therapy Clinic. And she can be found online at Mm integratedtherapyva.com. Yep. And what are your handles on social media? Integrated Therapy MFR for both Facebook and Instagram. All right, everybody, follow her, send clients to her. If you're in this area, go and get treated. She has my stamp of approval. (laughs) So yeah. Thank you. Yeah, come see me. I am here for you. Guide you on your healing journey. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Heather. Yeah, thanks, Mandy. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the MFR Coaches Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Bye. Thanks for joining me today. My goal is to help all MFR therapists stop under earning and burning out. I have several resources available for you. Read my book, The MFR Coach's Guide to Having Your Own MFR Business, available on Amazon and at Advanced John Barnes MFR Seminars. Keep listening to the podcast. I'll always have fresh content each and every week. Join my group coaching program. Enrollment opens four times per year. We take all the information I teach and lay down the foundation for your six-figure MFR business. It's more than just raising rates, but you'll make that the hardest part. Then expand into the business owner who delivers your rate like it's just the news and who can sell MFR to anyone in any situation. I'll show you how. Get on my email list, follow me on social media at The MFR Coach, and visit my website for more information on group enrollment, themfrcoach.com. 
Thanks for listening and I'll see you next week.